And I hope that it hasn't been long since you told Jesus that you loved him. What a, what a God, what a Savior, that he would do what he did so that we could have everlasting life. Take our Bibles today to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. If you noticed, last Sunday, both services were packed. There really was no room left over. But then the guys got to hear what we said last week for the ladies. And then where are all the men at this morning? They're sleeping in and not here today, some of them. The guys that really love Jesus, they're here this morning. Hey, the, the guys that really love their wives, they're here today. That's, that just, you guys deserve some extra points for being here today. And uh, that's an awesome thing right there because literally there was no seats left in both services last week. And so, and then I thought the ladies would have dragged all their husbands here this morning. I mean, um, graciously brought them to church this morning and all of that. Now, last week we talked about what submission in marriage looks like, part one. And we've looked at six verses and what the Lord says for a wife. Now, if you don't like what the Lord says for the wife there, then you can deal with the Lord, not me, okay? And, um... I want you to realize this morning as we go into the message, sometimes we look at things and we can get a, sometimes ladies can get a bad attitude when it comes to the Bible. And I'll tell you, so this morning, in my reading this morning, and as I was running and walking this morning, I was listening to the end of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14 goes into a few verses that says, a woman needs to keep quiet in church is basically what it says. Now, if you read in context, it's referring to the speaking of tongues in the church there. But sometimes we get this idea, well, God is a sexist. A woman's supposed to submit to her husband and do these different things. You've got to understand something. Men and women are created equal in God's eyes. But there are different roles that are played. It's just like we look, is, is the Holy Spirit any less God than the Father? But why is he always mentioned third? Why does he have to dwell in us? Why is he mentioned last on the, is it because he's less important than the Father? No. Well, Jesus is second. So since Jesus doesn't know when to come back, then Jesus isn't as, no, 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 no. Jesus, the Father, the Spirit, they're all equal. They play different roles. And in the home, we play different roles. In church, we play different roles. It doesn't make you any less of a person because God made everyone equal. You got to realize that. So don't look at, at it as God didn't make us equal. No, we're equal. We play different roles that God's given to us. That's a great way to look at it. And late, just so you know, I went. Pre- I didn't go super hard on you last week. I never go hard on the ladies when I do. Like mo- I have people accuse me of on Mother's Day being super nice to the ladies, and then on Father's Day being super hard with the men. And I don't know why they would ever accuse me of that, but it's probably true. Because this is the thing, I'm not a mother, so I can't speak too hard on how you need to be as a mother, because I'm not a mother. I just take this example in the scripture there. But I am a father, I am a husband. So, and if I were to look at myself, the biggest critic of Brian is Brian. You might, some of you might analyze and critique a message that I preach. I critique it even more than you do. I do not go back and listen to my messages. Say, so why don't you? Every once in a while, I will just to remember what you got to put up with. Just every once in a while. But the reason I don't is I know for a fact that in 35 to 40 minutes of speaking or preaching a message, 
I'm going to say something dumb at least two or three times. And that might just be in the first three minutes. And there might be something, I had someone come up a few weeks ago and say, Pastor, you said this. I'm like, no, I didn't say that. And then I guess I did say it. I went back and listened. I did say that. I didn't remember it. But So I critique myself quite a bit. So when it comes to being a husband, I look at what I need to do, and I try to do my best to do it, but I'm harder on myself. So guys, if you feel I'm a little harder on you today, I'm just doing what I do to myself here. It was funny last week. I had a few men come up to me that never talk about my messages hardly ever. And after this, pastor, great message. And I'm like, they never have told me that before. And then I started thinking they got that smirk on their face because they knew what the message, yeah, it was a great message because it was for their wife, not for them. So ladies, hey, you get to sit back and relax. Just relax. That's for the husband today. And uh, as we look at this passage, we're going to see several things, and we're going to ask the Lord's help here in just a minute. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get started today. Father, we're grateful for today and grateful for another Sunday to be gathered in your house. Thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for showing us what we need and helping us in these areas. I pray you guide us today, help our thoughts and our actions, help us to please you, and may the men in this room leave here better husbands because of what they hear today from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Several years ago, there was a man that was uh, walking along the beach, one of the beaches here. As he was walking along the beach, he found this little, uh, it was like a, uh, a lamp, a little genie lamp. Picked it up. He rubbed it for fun. And all of a sudden, this genie popped up out of it. Now, I don't know what was up with the genie, but the genie told this guy, he said, you have one wish. Well, come on. You're supposed to have three. Isn't that the way it works with these things? But he only had one. So he's like, so the genie said, you need to be very careful what you wish for here. Because it's only one wish and that's it. So the man spent some time thinking, and as he was thinking, he, I got it. You know, I'm a lot like Pastor Brian. I don't like to fly on planes, and I don't like to go on boats. But I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. So, genie, I want you to build me a two-lane road from California to Hawaii. Build me a bridge so I can drive from California to Hawaii. And the genie looked at him like, do you realize how deep the ocean is? We're never going to be able to get the footings right. You will never get a bridge to work from there. That's a ridiculous request. Ask for something else. So the guy's thinking, that's what I wanted. He's thinking, he's thinking, he's thinking, he's thinking. He's like, got it. All right, genie. I want to understand my wife. The genie said, do you want a two-lane highway or a four-lane highway? And I'll leave it with this. One thing I do know about women is they don't like that joke very much. So, anyway, as we get into the message, that was all that I, that's, that was to bring a smile to your face because you're not going to be smiling much longer, man, okay? We look at verse number 7 this morning. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. As we look at this verse here, and as we look at the very beginning, you see it says, Likewise, ye husbands. Go back to verse number one of this same chapter. Likewise, ye wives. So if we were to go back in all the studies that we've done so far, we go back to the middle of chapter number two, and we see that as we live in this world, Christians should be good citizens. We saw that back in verse 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17. We saw how we should be good employees where we work. And then we see the example that Christ set and how Christ, all that he's done, and he suffered for us, he left us an example for us to follow his steps. 
He didn't sin. There was no guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. He suffered, he threatened not. He trusted the Lord with all these things. He bare our iniquity. He took it all on himself on the cross, and we are healed by his stripes. So likewise, ye wives, we looked at last week, because of what the Lord's done and how the Lord submitted and lived his life, likewise, ye wives, should live the way that we looked at last week. Be submissive to your own husband. You should live right. Show respect. Be more concerned about the inner beauty than the outer beauty. Trust God and keep doing good. But it doesn't say then the husbands are off the hook. It says, likewise ye husbands, as the wife does her role, and as Jesus did what he did. We see all these come into mind. And you know, before the Bible says for a wife to submit to her husband, Ephesians chapter number 5, and the word submit is just a, an order, place an order. When we look at Ephesians chapter 5, before it goes deep into all those thoughts, verse 21 tells us submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. And we can go back a few verses before that. In all reality, unless you're a spirit-filled Christian, you are not going to fulfill the God has for you in your home. You need to be a spirit-filled husband to do what God's called you to be as a husband. You need to be a spirit-filled wife if you're going to do what God's called you to do in your home. Sometimes we get so caught up on looking at everyone else and what they do. And may I just help you today, and as we dive into this message today, marriage is a blessing from God. Some people look at it as, oh, it's awful. It's not awful. It's not meant to be awful. It's meant to be a good thing that God created. God made marriage, and it's a wonderful thing that God made. And we have, it's just, we look at our world, the world doesn't know what marriage even is. How to define marriage, what marriage is, how to make a marriage work. But do you know God's Word gives us the tools, gives us the ingredients on how to make a marriage work? God's Word does. And we need to follow God's plan. Now before I dive into the message today, you've got to understand something we can't look at these things like last week guys you can't look at what the bible says for a wife there and be like well my wife's not doing this so i'm not going to do no 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 we get in a lot of trouble and you come to my office and the counseling sessions i spend my husband isn't doing this or this you need to get your eyes off of what he's not doing or you need to get your eyes off of what she's not doing and you need to make sure all that god's called you to do and when you get your eyes on what you're supposed to do it will help a lot more See, my main concern during the day is not that Caroline pleases me. It's that I'm pleasing her. That's my goal. And there's a lot more I can say there, and we'll probably get to it maybe in the message today. And we're just getting started here. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. As we start here today, we see number one, Roman numeral number one, we see a command. Likewise, ye husbands, there are some things that God wants the husband to do. Just as we see there are things that God wants a wife to do, there are things that God wants a husband to do. So what are these things? The Bible tells us here, ye likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Letter A, the first command we see is spend time together. Dwell with them. You see that right there? Dwell with them. It literally means to dwell or reside together. 
Fundamentally, it means to share the same bed. It's a command in the present tense, meaning that husbands are to hang out with their wives and do life together. Spend time with your wife. Wow. It's a brilliant one right there, right? Before you got married, what did you want? You couldn't spend enough time together. And I would drive tons of miles to spend a few hours with you, to drive all the way back and be falling asleep at work, just to spend a little bit of time with you. That was before marriage. People get married. All of a sudden they forget what spending time is all about. Peter from the Lord here says, Likewise, he husbands, it begins here by dwelling with them. In Peter's day, husbands were generally uninterested in being friends with their mates. So this was against culture in that day. Peter basically says, enjoy life with your wife. That's what he's saying here. Dwell with them. Now, I don't get this, and I don't understand this, and maybe, and maybe it's different for some in this room, and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to offend you in any way. I'm not trying to do any of those things. But I've, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather spend time with Caroline than any of you in this room. Sorry, it's true. If I could do something with somebody, she wins every single time. I would be fine never spending a moment with anybody else in this world but my wife. I don't need guys' night outs. Is there anything wrong with a guy's night out? No. Is there a problem with having a bunch of them? Yes. Is there a problem having a ladies' night out? Every once in a while, sure, do what you need. But it should not be a regular, I got to get away from my spouse. I need to get away from my family. There's something wrong with that. And that goes against what God teaches in his word here. Your spouse, your wife, men, should be your very best friend. You should enjoy life together. You should enjoy doing things together. You should enjoy spending time together. There are statistics all over the place. And you can't trust the st statistics. Because you can find basically a statistic to agree with whatever you want if you really want to. So I looked up this statistic. How, how much time a day or in a week does a husband and wife spend together? Like, good, talk, everything else. So you have all sorts of spectrums here, okay? Got one that said four minutes a day. A husband and wife spend good quality. So that's the average. I think that's low. I think that's baloney. But maybe it's true, okay? The average. Between all these different places I went, I added them up, and you divide it by how many you checked. That's where you get an average from. Some of you didn't know that about math, but that's how it works. That's, how, that's where an average comes from. So doing this, if some of the statistics are overblown and some of them are underestimated, the average is that a husband and wife, they spend about two hours a week in good communication together. Together. Two hours a week. I did a different research. And the research was, how much time did a, man's, did a man spend with the lady he cheated on his wife with in a week? They used the word affair. I used the word adultery, because adultery is what it is. Affair, affair just makes it sound not bad. It's adultery. If you're married, you have one woman in your life, and that should be the only woman in your life, period. The average man with the lady he cheated on his wife was spent 10 hours a week with her. Peter, under inspiration of God, men, spend time with your wife. Spend time with your wife. 
Do you realize the Bible tells us in Genesis 2.18, and the Lord said, Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me. Now, do you, now, let's think on this for a minute. Do you realize the world was a perfect place this time? Do you realize Adam and God had a good relationship? There was no sin blocking the relationship. Am I wrong on that statement? Am I wrong? I don't think I'm wrong. And yet God said, man needs more than just me. It's not good that man's alone. I will make him a help me. The word help meet there literally means it refers to a partner or companion. In Hebrew, it means one who, answer, one who answers to, corresponds to, one like himself, one who speaks his language. God designed you for your spouse. And you should learn to enjoy life together. If all you ever want to do, guys, is spend time with everybody but your wife, there's problems there. If all you ladies want to do is spend time with everybody but your husband, there's problems there. Do you know when the, in, when you look at homes today, and nowadays this number is changing, but it used to be the divorce rate is the highest between 15 and 25 years of marriage. So why is that? The reason is because the kids grow up and they leave, and mom and dad don't know who each other are because they invested everything, and it's good to invest in your kids. That's not a mistake to invest in your kids, but you can't sacrifice your marriage for your kids because what happens is the kids are going to move out at some point, and then you're stuck with this person. You're like, oh, I didn't know I was going to be stuck with that. Yeah, that's what happens. You need to enjoy life together. Spend time together. Say, life's just too busy. You find time for what's important to you. Don't feed me that baloney. Every week, Caroline and I go on a date. Every week. Say, well, you have four ki- I have four kids. I pay for a babysitter. I get the kids dinner before we go out, so she's not making them food before we go out. Every week. So why is that? So we get some special time. We also try to have the kids in bed by 8 or 8.30 every day. Why? So we have time together every night. It's important to have time with your spouse. The Bible says here, dwell with them. So let me ask you, and it's awful quiet here this morning. I don't know why it's so quiet. And I'm, I'm going to have to turn the air on when we agree because I'm getting, getting in the room. You need to spend time with your spouse. If you don't spend it with them, you're going to spend it with someone else. But I don't like my spouse. Well, you were dumb enough to marry him. That's your problem then, right? Right? That's one of those statements that I'd go back and look at like, I probably shouldn't have said that one right there. That would have been one of those. So, And that, that happens every once in a while. And normally after I say it, you know, sometimes the, the words just come, and then afterwards like, yeah, I didn't. But it is true. You married them. Learn to like your spouse. Spend time with them. Oh, but I like hanging out with so-and-so. Then quit hanging out with so-and-so and spend time with your spouse. And then you won't like spending time with so-and-so because you're not spending time with them. You and God and then your spouse should be the closest and the most time you spend with anybody. That's the truth. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. I like what Matthew Henry says about that passage here. He says, the wife is to be looked upon not as a servant, but as a companion to the husband. 
with whom he should freely converse and take sweet counsel, and as a friend and in whose company he should delight more than in any others. I'm just going to throw this out. It's true. I like watching sports with my wife more than anybody else. She doesn't even know what's going on half the time. She even cheers for the wrong team half the time. Yes, they did go! Wrong team! Sorry! I take her to a game every once in a while, and she's going, defense, defense, and no, wrong team! We're on offense right now! I enjoy it. Now, don't get me wrong. Joe and I suffered the other night and watched the Laker game, as the Lakers did really bad, and I enjoyed time with Joe there, doing that. But I enjoy time with my wife. You should, too. If all you're doing is thinking of other things to do than spending time with your spouse, there's something wrong. You know, I, my parents are going on, in two weeks, it'll be 60 years of marriage. And my mom's health has not been great for these past several years, but I was just looking the other day. And there are days my mom with her health and sometimes her brain doesn't quite think correctly and she confuses me with her brother sometimes or she's not quite sure who I am. But she doesn't really do that with my dad. And the other day I was just looking at her. My dad was walking into the room, going on 60 years. And she goes, <whistles> that was my mom. I'm like, where did that come from? And she look she gave 60 years and she still they still have that look for one another they love to be together like what would hurt them more than anything is being apart and i sincerely believe that when the lord decides it's one of theirs time to go the other one will be right behind because they do life together that's what marriage was intended to be now i get we have jobs we have work we have all sorts you're not going to spend 24 7 side by side but any opportunity you can, you should. Letter A, spend time together. Letter B, study your wife. Study your wife? What do you mean? Look at what the Bible says here. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. Look at what it says. According to knowledge. This has the idea of knowledge or learning by experience and it implies knowing someone very well. Study your wife. Figure out what she likes, what she doesn't like. Figure out what food she likes. Study her. Figure out what she doesn't like. Get to know her well. Get to know her fears. Get to know her failures, her feelings, what makes her happy. Your wife should be the object of your study. Go to school on her. Notice her. Observe her. Ask her questions. What do you like here? And after you've been married a few years, you should start getting a clue. If your wife doesn't like a certain restaurant, it shouldn't be the only place you ever go. Figure out what she likes. My wife puts up with sports. I don't know that she loves sports. So we don't only watch sports. I suffered through a chick flick the other night. <laughs> suffered through. No, I enjoyed it. Why? Because I was with her. She enjoyed it. Study your wife. Figure out, we talked about in the past, the, the love languages. What does your wife need to know that you love her? 
study it and do it. If your wife, what flowers does she like? A side note here, I don't get Caroline flowers whenever she's mad at me. Because first off, there are not enough flowers in the world to take care of all those times. Number one, I'm, ki- I'm kind of kidding. And then number two, I want flowers to be for special occasions. Or just out of the blue. She loves roses, so I get her roses. That's how I do it. And guys, every Thursday, if you drive by a cemetery, there are a lot of great things you can pick up there pretty cheap and bring them home and not cost a whole lot of money, but the love that they feel and that they know, that's a joke right there, okay? It's a joke. That's a joke. I would not do that there. And uh, and you forget to take the sympathy card out or something, and then, yeah, give anyways, you might might die that day. But get to know your wife. If you've been married a long time and you still don't know anything about your wife, there's something wrong with you. Dwell with them according to knowledge. And I know you might say, well, one day my wife wants this, then the next day she wants that. I get that. It happens. You know, there are times we'll be like, Caroline wants to pour out her heart, and what? And there's an issue going on. And my first conclusion is, let's fix this problem right now. But she doesn't always want that. There are times she just wants me to listen and do nothing about it. But then there are other times that I'm just listening, doing nothing about it, it's like, why aren't you helping me with this? Like, I didn't know you wanted me to help this time. Could you, like, give me a signal? Maybe it's your ear or something on the times I'm supposed to help, and then don't the other times help, help me out here. I don't know what you're thinking. Get to know them. What's your wife's love language? They all have different things. You should know what your, li- what your wife loves and how to love her. The word husband originally meant one who holds the household together like a manager who spends his time and resources wisely. we got to understand as we think about in the home, as husbands, our responsibility is to love our wives by holding things together in the home and providing an environment for them to grow into what God wants them to be. you got to understand some things. Women need to be reassured that they're loved. I don't think there's a lady in the room that would disagree with that. They need to know that they're loved. I always love my wife, but she needs to hear it some. Ladies need to be, they need to be emotionally secure more than financially secure. That goes a long ways. Ladies need to be reminded that they're beautiful. When's the last time you told your wife she was beautiful? Well, say compared to the other way, there's a problem. You should have eyes for one woman. A few weeks ago, Caroline told me about something someone was wearing at church, and maybe if we needed to say something to them or whatever. I said, did you notice what they were wearing? Nope. I'm not going to remember what any of the other ladies are wearing in here today. Caroline's wearing a black dress with blue in it and black heels. You're right in front of me. Last service, I told them the same thing, so don't think I just did that because you're sitting here. I noticed my wife. She is the most beautiful lady in this room. Say, but my husband says I am. In your, in his eyes, you better be. In my eyes, she is. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And you need to let your wife know she's beautiful. You need to compliment her. You need to go out of your way to make her feel loved. 
dwell with them according to knowledge. First of all, you need to spend time together. Secondly, you need to study your wife. Let her see. You need to honor her. Giving honor unto the wife. The word giving is to grant or to bestow. It's in the present tense, meaning that we're to do it continually. To honor your wife means to hold her in high regard, to treasure her. Proverbs 31.11 tells us, The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he have no need of spoil. A few verses down, verse 28, the Bible tells that her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. The Bible says here, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. And as we think about this, what's the opposite of honor? How about to diss someone, to scorn them, to neglect, to disregard, to put down, to ignore, to criticize, to condemn, to humiliate? That's the opposite of honor. God's called us men to honor our wives. How are you doing at honoring your wife today? Does your wife know today that she is the most important part of your life? She should know that. I know that's a challenge during football season, but she should know that. And thank God for DVR, and you can hit the pause button and listen to everything she says and only miss a few seconds and get right back to it. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 31, verse number 10, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. Don't take for granted the gift that God's given you and your wife. And uh, don't let your children talk bad, too. But they need to honor their mom. I remember there was one day in my house growing up, and I was a teenager and something, and my mom said something to me, and I just, I was very smart. I looked back and talked back about something. And the next thing I know, my dad was in my face. Like, yeah. Long before you ever came into this world, that woman was my wife. And you'll be out of this house, and she will still be my wife. If you want to live a long time, you better never talk to my wife like that again. Never did. My kids are going to know that too. You better respect and honor your mom. If you don't, you're going to deal with me. But here's the problem. A lot of men want their kids to do that, but then they dishonor their wives by the things they do. And you're being hypocritical if you aren't living it too. Honor her honor your wife they're in high regard and the letters d value her now look at what the bible says here so the bible says giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life now i know some people see that word weaker vessel i don't like that word i know people don't like it but it's right there in the bible do you know the word wife here and we, we, we read English, so you can't really know, tell this. But in Greek, the only time the word wife in this term is used in the whole Bible ever is this one time. It's not used anywhere else. So like wives, you know, submit to your husbands. And earlier in this passage, there's a, that's talking about a wife and things. The word wife here literally is translated um, feminine or womanly. And it helps you understand what it's talking about when it's talking about a weaker vessel. The word weaker doesn't mean morally weaker or intellectually weaker, but it's a general thing that women are not as strong as men physically. Let me just give you a thought, okay? And don't get mad. That's why women shouldn't play men's sports and men shouldn't play women's sports. 
Like you have, there's a dissident, you see today there's this group of people out there, these, uh, they call themselves trans women, which are men, playing women's sports, and they win a lot of things because men are physically stronger than, and there's a disadvantage there. Now don't get, and don't, don't, don't. I would much rather watch the NBA than the WNBA. You don't see many dunkers in the WNBA. They might play a more pure game of basketball and actually, you know, they, there's actually, they really dribble and they actually do real layups where in the NBA they travel and turn the ball upside down and double dribble every other second. It's probably a purer sport in the WNBA. But women are not as strong physically than men. Now, I've been to the gym and I've seen some women that look stronger than me and I know I just back up, you know. There's some things you just, you know, her, that woman there in the gym and I met, in the, I would just run away. I'd get out quick because she scares me with those big arms that she's got. But anyways, that's what the Bible, the Bible's just saying this here. And when we think about this, what we've got to understand is when we look at this thing about a weaker vessel, the word vessel describes an object hallowed out for a purpose of containing something that was priceless. Kind of like China. Now you think about this, not the country China, we're talking about like the little China cups and things like that. A lot of you have old tea sets or China sets that, you know, that your grandmother gave you or that's been passed down the line and they're kept in a special cabinet and do you let your kids just take those out and drink their regular water out of that during the day? No, you don't because they're special, they're precious, they're, they're memories. And what the Bible says is, guys, your wife like China. She's precious. She's beautiful. She's a vessel to God and to us. This vessel needs to be handled carefully. Now, you got to understand something. You can drink water out of this just like you can drink water out of this. They're both vessels. They serve the same purpose. But I'll tell you this. You can drop that one. You should have seen Joyce last service, because this is Joyce's. I went like this, and she, she went like that. This is from her grandma. I know I would not do that with this. But why would I not drop this? Because it'll break. They both are vessels. But one is a little bit more fragile. And, you know, it's interesting to me, though, ladies. You never let anybody use these. You don't let your husband even use them. But then a lady's tea comes around, and you pull them all out, and all the ladies are, oh, I got to have my, sipping their tea, doing their stuff, but you don't trust us with these cups. I'm glad you don't, because that could be, there could be a lot of marriage strife just alone. But when we look here, it says, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together the grace of life. As we look at this and we see this, um, our English word for vessel there is where we get the word vase from. Treat men, treat your wife like something precious, that's valuable, that you don't want to break. That's how you should value and honor your wife. That's what the scripture says. We keep on looking right there. It says being heirs together of the grace of life. And you realize something. We're not we go in li we're in life together. 
husband's not greater than his wife. A wife's not greater than her husband. God places us together. We're both vessels, and thank God for that. And as we think about those things, we are, there's equal footing with God. And when we look, we think about what the Bible says in Galatians 3, verse number 28 and 29. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither is there bond or free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you be in Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's not telling you right there that God, there, there are no genders in God's eyes. No, God made male and female. But not one is better than the other. They're equal. We're joint heirs. And, we're, and look at what this verse says here, being heirs together of the grace of life. And we get to do this life together. Spend time with your wife. Study your wife. Honor your wife. Value your, your wife. That is the command from God. But there's also a warning. Look at the end of the verse. Number two, we see there's a warning. This is New Testament as well. This is not just, you know, sometimes we see that God won't answer prayers. That's an Old Testament idea. This is First Peter's New Testament. Look at what it says here. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Do you realize, guys, your prayers can be hindered by how you treat your wife? Did you know the Bible never says anywhere that the way a wife treats her husband, her prayers could be hindered? That's never found anywhere. It says the way a man treats his wife, his prayers could be hindered. And when we look at this and we think about this, what I really could say is that how I treat Caroline has a direct impact on my spiritual life. It's one of the things I, and uh, Caroline, I told it last service and you weren't here, so I'm just going to talk about here in this service, okay? So don't get mad at me, okay? Because I don't need my, I don't need spiritually to be hindered right now, okay? So don't get mad. We don't, we don't fight often, but we do have arguments and disagreements. Everyone does. When you have two imperfect people, and especially one that's really imperfect, me, not you. I don't know what you were thinking there. So I saw her look up. Me, I'm talking about the imperfect one, really imperfect. But sometimes, and sometimes it would seem like to me, we would only argue or have something like a Saturday night going into a Sunday, it seemed like to me. And for me, I cannot get behind this pulpit and not be good with her. I can't. I feel like it's, I'm faking it. You know, and because my spiritual life, it's part of it, right? If I'm going to be the pastor God wants me to be, I'm like, so we made an agreement a while back, even if I am wrong, we can't argue on Saturday nights going into Sunday. It's got to just be some other time. We can't do it then. But it's, this is a biblical thing. And men, your prayers can be hindered by how you treat your wife. The warning from God, God tells us this is how you need to treat your wife and what you need to do. But if you don't, your prayers can be hindered. Your spiritual walk can be hindered. And God, and as we look at these things and we think about all these things, treat your spouse the way God would want you to. The way I treat Caroline is a proclamation of who Christ is in my life. If I'm not treating him right, if I'm not treating her right, then things between the Lord and I are not going to be right. The word hindered, you see there it says that your prayers be not hindered. The word hindered was used of digging a trench 
to stop like water advancing. Like it was, it was very similar to, you think about how Babylon, how the Medes and the Persians got into Babylon. They rerouted the river and they went that way. They stopped the water from being, they hindered the water from flowing through the city. And so as we think about this thing about that your prayers be not hindered, and your prayers, you got to understand, if you aren't loving your wife and doing what God's called you to do, you're giving the devil a place to block off what you've got between you and God. And it's hindering your relationship with God because your relationship with your wife isn't right. God doesn't say the same thing to the lady. He says it to the man. And I am a firm believer home I believe is the same. I do believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. Like at the end of the day, you want if if you want your wife to grow and be blessed by God, men, the best thing you can do is be the husband you're supposed to be. Help her be the wife she's supposed to be by you being the leader in the home and being the one you're supposed to be. And you'll help your wife. I believe that's biblical. We look at the past two weeks. What does submission in the home look like? We saw last week what the wife's supposed to do. We see what the Lord has for us men. To spend time with wives. To study them. To honor them and to value them. And if we don't, our prayers can be hindered. Next week we'll continue on and see. We'll tie it all together what ends up happening next week. Let me ask you as we close this morning. When's the last time you spent some good quality time with your wife? When's the last time you initiated it, guys? I would encourage you to take some time this next week and find some time. I'm just too busy. Then maybe cut out some of the overtime because your marriage is more important than the overtime. And Uncle Sam gets most of that money from overtime anyways. But pastor, I need that overtime. No, you need a marriage. You need to do what God wants you to do. Spend some time with your spouse. Say, well, I don't know what to do with my kids. We can lock them in the churchyard for a few hours. They'll be fine. We got cameras out there. We'll keep an eye on them. Spend time with your spouse. Guys, study your wife. Find out what she likes. And do some of the things she likes. If she likes watching Hallmark movies, do it once in a while. That hurt. <clears throat> I don't even know if I can recover from that one. Do it. Do what she likes. The other day we did our family Christmas family picture. I hate sand. I had to go barefooted in the sand. Got my pants all wet, too, because the wave hit me while I was there. Why did I do it? Because I love the, I don't like the beach. I like looking at it from a distance. She likes it. So I did what she likes. I know what she likes. You study your wife, find out things that will help her in her life. Like I noticed a while back, and just using examples of these different things. She teaches every day, 8 to 3 o'clock. 
I step in her classroom for five minutes and I'm ready to pass out and take a nap because I can't handle those kids more than five minutes. And she does it for all that day. And then between grading papers and everything else, I don't know how she even walks out of the classroom at the end of the day. I noticed a while back that with all of that, I could help take some load off of her by making dinner. So I do dinner. Why? To lighten her load. She didn't have to tell me she needed help there. My eyes were open to see what she needed. That's what I'm talking about studying your wife. Figuring out what she needs to prosper and helping her achieve that. Honoring her, valuing her. Putting her up on a pedestal, treating her like the china in the cabinet. what God has for us guys and that's why if you if you really look if you look in first Corinthians where Peter mentions hey guys it's a lot simpler to stay single then you don't have to deal with you don't have to you don't have to see her you don't have to care for the things of this world for her just stay single and you can serve the God serve the Lord and you're but if you need a while you need to get one but when you do you got to take care kind of like look at those people that have their cars and oh I didn't know you ever opened the hood for anything there's oil in my car I didn't know there was oil in my car I've never changed the oil and you say that and at some point your motor is going to burn out you have to change the oil you got to change the alternator every once in a while you got to change different car parts you got to put new tires on you got to take care of your car you take care of your wife. You spend time with her. You study her. You honor her. And you value her. And if you don't want to do that, see how your relationship with God is. It's in direct correlation to how you treat your wife. Because God views marriage a big deal. And the church relationship to him and the husband-wife relationship, it's a big deal to God. So guys, let's work on being a better husband today. Father, I